Welcome to Close Horse, the podcast for people who love fruitcake. Seriously, though, fruitcake gets a bad rap, but it is so good. Dried fruit, nuts, maybe a nice apricot glaze. What's not to love? We need to de-stigmatize fruitcake. Close Horse is a very pro-fruitcake podcast. There, I said it. Anyway, I'm your host, Amanda, and this is episode 145. This is part two of two about slow gifting. So if you haven't listened to the first half, go do that now. We'll just sit here and wait for you. Okay, you did it. All right, great. So now we can move along. Halloween queen and fellow fruitcake lover Maggie Green is back to finish our conversation as we move through the 12 days of slow gifting. We'll be talking about our worst gifts ever and why gift cards can be, to be honest, a little bit scammy. We'll be sharing our suggestions for homemade gifts, gifts that aren't stuff, and more motivation and inspiration for having conversations with your family, your loved ones, the people in your life about revisiting gifting traditions. Before we jump back into that conversation, I have one audio essay from a small business in our community. And I want to, before we get too deep into it, I wanna give you all a trigger warning. This essay from Jessica of Vagabond Vintage does talk about suicide and mental health. And I'm gonna talk to you about that more after her essay plays. So if that isn't something you want to expose yourself to today, which I totally understand, then I would recommend fast forwarding to my conversation with Maggie, which I I speculate as I record this will be about 10 minutes in the future. Okay, I'll admit that that is not the greatest fanfare for introducing an audio essay. So I'll add this. Jessica is a wonderful person. She has super cute cats. I know this of course, because she has sent me photos. And I know she is working hard for a better world. I'm glad to have her as a member of our community, and I am beyond grateful and honored that she recognizes Close Horse and our community as a safe space for being honest, for telling our truths, for being vulnerable. So with all that, let's take a listen. Hi, my name is Jessica. I founded a vintage reselling business called Vegabond Vintage DTLV. Um, I'm based in downtown Las Vegas. um, And I got into uh, vintage reselling back in 2020. You know, like a lot of us had to find new ways to support ourselves. and, And that's what I did. Um, I had just gotten divorced um, from a, an almost decade-long relationship and kind of, to be honest, was having a little bit of an existential crisis. Um, but, you know, it, it turned out pretty well. I started selling, like, designer things that I had and vintage things that I had, and it turned into something that I realized I have a lot of passion for. I also, I grew up very, very poor. So the the threat of complete financial ruin was absolutely a, a motivator in this. But it, again, it it's just, it's been great. Um, and uh, just a, just a quick trigger warning. Um, back in May of 2021, I had a very nearly successful suicide attempt. Uh, 
And I like my most vivid memory of the whole thing is is waking up in the hospital bed a couple days later and talking to my my partner at the time. We're still together. Um, They're an incredible patient human being. And I remember kind of just breaking down and saying that, like, I wasn't ready to die and that I need to give Vegabond a chance. And I, I use the phrase like, it's my baby and I need to see where it can go. Um, so I'm still here. I'm still hustling so hard with Vegabond. Uh, I just opened a store in October. It's in a little gallery space in, in the arts district of Las Vegas. And I remember I was painting the space and it was this very like wholesome, powerful moment where I realized like I'm, I'm actually doing this. It's hard, but it's worth it. Like all of, all of the, the time, energy, emotions, everything, um, is worth it. And, and I'm incredibly thankful for, you know, the way that things turned out despite how I got here and what has happened throughout the last two years. Uh, it's, it's becoming, better and and I'm realizing that there's more I'm capable of than what I had initially thought. This is the best thing that ever could have happened to me. Um and I'm profoundly uh again thankful, happy, uh enthused that that I stuck with it and that I have so much support from the local Vegas community um as well as folks at a shop called Lux and Ivy in Indianapolis that I've been consigning with and some folks in San Francisco. Uh, it's, it's incredible. The reach that I've, that I've found, everybody has been very kind to me. And, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I love Vagabond and and I love this community and I love this podcast. So thanks. Once again, thank you so much, Jessica, for being brave enough to be vulnerable with all of us. That is not easy. As a person who talks into a microphone every week, it still still gives me the cold sweats to talk about deeply personal things here. I know that I super appreciate her taking the time to share this story with us, understatement, and I know her thoughts will move and motivate all of you. And to be really vulnerable with all of you... Here comes the cold sweats. Jessica's essay really brought me back to my own very visceral moment of waking up in the intensive care unit after a suicide attempt in my 20s. It's hard to convey the thousands of thoughts that race through your brain when you wake up like that. And yet I can still feel that moment when I close my eyes and think back. It's so clear to me, everything about it, the way it smelled, the way I felt, the sounds around me. I mean, it's it's still there. I carry it with me everywhere I go through everything I've done. It starts with, where am I? Why am I? What happened? And then you remember how you ended up there and you realize, in all caps, I want to be alive. I'm glad that I'm alive. I'm super confused and embarrassed and frightened and ashamed and angry and sad and frustrated about being here right now, but I'm still glad that I'm here to be here right now, you know? 
A few weeks ago, someone in my extended family said something that, I'm not going to lie, it really fucked me up. I'm still fucked up about it. That's two F-bombs in a row for you all. They said something like, people who overdose on drugs or try to kill themselves should just be left to die because that's what they really want. And wow, what a hot take uh, that with no nuance, right, (laughs) or no understanding or compassion for humans. It really messed me up to hear that because it's just not true. I used to be ashamed to admit to people that I have bipolar disorder. And let me tell you, bipolar disorder is the gift, that's really shitty gift that keeps giving to you your whole life. Whenever I do tell people that, I have a fear that they'll never take me or my feelings seriously again. And hopefully that won't be the case with all of you who are listening to this. But to be fair, in some relationships, when I have admitted that I have bipolar disorder, I have automatically lost every argument from that point on because everything I felt was just mental illness in their eyes and not real, deeply considered feelings. Don't ever discount the feelings of someone with a long-term mental illness because chances are high that they have spent a lot of time in therapy thinking about them or at least analyzing them on their own when their medication is going okay. Because for me, every single feeling I have every single day, I take a step back and say like, is that real? Where's that coming from? How can I cope with it? What, I don't want this to grow. Like, let's nip it in the bud now. Like, let's think it through. Like, trust me, people with mental illness are not just going out there and emoting willy nilly. Okay. (laughs) Let me tell you, when my bipolar disorder has been at its worst, both mania and depression, I have often felt as if I'm watching this person other than myself control what I'm doing. Like, I'm definitely feeling the chaos that, I don't know, it's like a weird hum of vibration of mania, the despair of depression, which feels like this wooly, itchy gray blanket that just shrouds me that I can't pull myself out of. I feel like I almost can't breathe. But the person who's out there like talking to other people, overspending, crying, drinking, using drugs, not getting out of bed, that's someone else that is also somehow me. The same goes with attempts at ending my own life. Like I knew that I was actively doing it. I saw it happening. But yet it also felt like someone else was doing it. Because while I didn't want to feel terrible anymore or out of control, I also wanted to live. I'm telling you all of this. I'm telling all of you this. (laughs) I'm being very vulnerable in a very public way because I do think that we still have a long way to go when it comes to destigmatizing mental illness and particularly bipolar disorder, which I've seen thrown at people as an accusation all the time on social media. Um, And it's hard to understand if you haven't lived with it yourself, whether as a person who has it or with someone close to you who has it. And I have a platform here, right? Like I know a lot of you respect me, know that I am an intelligent, thoughtful, good person who's really good at getting information out of the internet. Uh, And I know that it's important for you to hear that I also have bipolar disorder, The past few years have been really hard because I've been managing a mental illness while also dealing with, well, all of the other pain, loss, fear, and upheaval that the world has thrown to all of us. I mean, wow, we should all give ourselves a hug right now for 
being through a few years that are just like one thing after another. Like it feels like a slight, albeit infuriating relief to just laugh about Twitter right now because it's like, it's just been one horrible thing every day and there'll be more to come, you know, and we have all this eco-anxiety and if you live here in the United States, our government is like on fire and people are losing their basic human rights all around the world, including here in the United States. And it is it is really hard, right? It's really hard. When you layer that with a mental illness, a chronic mental illness, uh, it's even more a lot. I will never be the person who says or believes that all you need is some good hard work to get yourself out of this. But I will say that finding those projects, communities, missions that make me feel excited, included, and motivated, that's what has helped me cope with all of it. To not lose hope and not lose possession of myself, I guess. It's really easy to let all of the fear make you lose yourself, you know? I remember several people saying to me, and I'll preface this by saying that I know that they were trying to show care and appreciation, but they would say to me, you don't have to work so hard on Close Horse. And what I wanted to respond was, no, I need this. I need this project. I need this work. I need this mission to keep myself going because with everything going on in the world right now, it is really, really hard to not just be sucked into this whirlpool of doom scrolling and despair, right? I think a lot of you, a lot of you are nodding your heads knowing that feeling. And what I'm saying here is that I understand what Jessica is saying when she says that her business keeps her going, keeps her feeling hopeful and connected. And I know that some of you that are listening feel the same way. Once again, another great reason to support small businesses. For many of us, it's a mission, a stabilizer, a way to connect with others. And most importantly, we really care about what we are doing. You know, as a person with really intense social anxiety, Close Horse gives me this way of connecting with all of you and building friendships and community in a time when it's really difficult to do that right? It's so meaningful to me. And I know that so many other small business owners feel the same way. We love what we are doing. There's that meme that's been going around on Instagram for a few years that is along the lines of like, every time you purchase something from a small business, the owner does a little dance. I paraphrase that really poorly. But yes, that is true, even if it's just in a figurative sense. But more importantly, every time you support a small business, you give them the chance to to keep doing something that is important to them. It's hard to imagine saying that about Amazon or Target or Urban Outfitters, where your purchase doesn't matter if it's not stacked with a million more to make a top line number that will pay dividends to shareholders. It's just, sorry, it's just not the same. Your impact when you shop small is so much bigger than the money, although the money matters. It's so much bigger than whatever you bought in the first place. Of course, that matters too, but it supports people. It supports your community, and these are not things to be dismissed. The support is beyond money, right? It's emotional. It's community. All of these things, they matter. They matter so much. I can tell you, if none of you were listening to Close Horrors or interacting with me on Instagram, 
I would be, well, I probably would have quit by now. But I also would have lost something that brings so much meaning and motivation to my life, something that is so powerful for me. So thank you. And thank you to Jessica for submitting such a powerful audio essay. Okay, let's shift gears like in an extreme way and get back into my conversation with Maggie. Okay, well, here's the deal. Yes, when we think about gifts, we tend to think about stuff. But there's actually a lot of gifts that aren't stuff, right? That are actually like, probably more impactful on someone's quality of life and more meaningful and definitely more thoughtful than actually going out to Bath and Body Works and even buying them five things of lotion. Like this is way more impactful. So, you know, gifting clothes, like we said, is not a great idea. And we don't want to give people things that they don't really need. They might have a ton of stuff already, but I bet that you have all kinds of other skills and knowledge and time that would Oh, just someone would be so grateful for. So it could be s- trading a skill for them. Like, hey, this is a coupon and I'm going to help you organize all of your finances for your business. Or I'm going to help you deal with your leaves once and for all. I'm going to help you clean your house. I'm going to watch your pet when you go on vacation. I'm going to help you figure out a vegetable garden this year. You know, like these are all things that people are very grateful for. And like, a gift of your time. I mean, gift is, time is the ultimate luxury as an adult. I don't care what anybody says. I would way rather have one extra day in the week than like, I don't know, like a Chanel purse. Also like, imagine me carrying a Chanel purse. It's ridiculous. (laughs) But it's true, right? I mean, I find myself constantly like, oh, if only days were two hours longer, what a gift that would be. (laughs) Um, I also would just say that, uh, experiences. People always go to experiences here and that can be concert tickets, classes, uh, get someone a class to learn how to sew or do some sort of craft project. A spa day or a mani-pedi is like a classic, uh, a movie night, a day hike, a road trip. Uh, I was thinking the other day like a great gift would be to get someone a gift certificate to have like for someone who does mending or altering. Um, Yeah. Or That'd be a good one, right? Closet cleanouts, maybe. Oh, or, I know. <laughs> I know some people who would love that for sure, myself included, actually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's a really great one. Or like somewhat like styling services, mm-hmm. you know, uh, take someone and teach them how to thrift, babysit for them. Oh my gosh, I did that for a friend recently and they were like, it was my first night out in a year, you know? Like that was, I was like, oh, it was like no big deal. They're going to you know? remember that forever. Yeah, right? like, totally, totally. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's a great one. Um, I just think also gifts where you're spending time together. I mean, isn't that the point of this whole thing, right? Yeah. I think that those are great too. I know you have you have some other ideas here, right? Yeah, g- gifts that aren't things, right, that you can't necessarily, yeah. like, touch. Um, I was thinking, especially for fellow entrepreneurs, like other people in my network, things that I could do to, you know, grand gesture types of things that, (laughs) Uh like, I mean, we, we all want money, right? We all want new clients and referrals and Google reviews. But what about like making a charitable contribution in their name, in the name of their business or the name, you know, their family name or whatever? Um, especially for folks who are like, 
more environmentally conscious and, you know, are, are worried about their carbon footprint and don't need anything, right? Like having a tree planted in their name, maybe even in the, the local area where they can visit mm-hmm. that spot. And, you know, that's something that's going to last forever. Um, something that's going to be really meaningful and resonate with them. Um, anything like that, right? I went to this a really beautiful farm this weekend where they are they're really focused on like teaching agriculture to you know people in the community, and you could uh, give someone the gift of having their name on the uh, chicken egg incubator. Oh, <laughs> and I was like, that is a good gift. <laughs> That's pretty cool. I know. So like, look at organizations in your community, uh, because I bet there are other things you can do like that. And I personally would love to visit the Amanda McCarty chicken incubator like as often as possible. (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. (laughs) I know. I know. I thought that was really cool. Okay, what about I mean, we're going to in a few we're going to talk about gifts you can make. But what about people who don't like anything? Because like, listen, we know people who don't seem to like anything what what would you give them they do like something right they just exactly they, yeah, they yes. don't like yeah. the things that most people like but chances are they have their kind of idiosyncratic quirky like little obsessions <laughs> or fixations like they do like something um but i honestly my answer would be right back to what you were saying about time it's like you don't necessarily have to make it like a big type of gift it's just like hey can we look at the calendar and like get an hour you know like make a date where we have coffee or we share a meal or hang out and watch a movie um maybe they don't like movies Mm -hmm. but so um you know what uh, i mean i could see that happening at first i was like wait everybody likes movies but you're right I, i can i heard a voice in my head of someone i know and in my I don't know if this is true about them, but they were definitely saying that they don't like movies. <laughs> I, I have heard people say in my life, like, I don't like games and I don't like yes. music. So what do you get people who don't like? Oof. Hang out yeah, with them. Yeah, I've heard that one. T- find yeah. out what they do like and make notes of that for they next They like time. something. Right. Yeah. Like they like going for a walk or they lo- they really love their pets. Mm-hmm. or I mean, there's something there. I promise. Everybody likes to eat food, so I always come back to like come over and make them lunch or something. Oh, yeah. I mean, we've all got to eat. Everybody likes lunch, right? Breakfast is iffy. Don't don't people who don't like anything don't like breakfast. So don't don't go there. <laughs> I think it's important, like no matter what, no matter who the person is, like to not not make too many assumptions. Like if you are if you really know the person well, you're you can you know, you're going to be confident in the choices that you make for gifts. Um, But like for people who don't like anything, don't assume that they, you know, they like a particular (laughs) kind of cuisine. Like for those folks, I would say invest the time to figure out what those things are for them and just celebrate that. And just ask, hey, do you do you like spicy food? No. Okay. Noted. You know, <laughs> like it's, right. it's just that easy. It doesn't even have to be weird. Um, yeah, I think those are great. And I think that like what I love about gifts that aren't stuff is they actually show even more thought. And once again, there's that gift of time there that is like just you can't even put a price on it. And I think that these are the gifts that people remember for so long afterwards. So long. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, so now we're on to the sixth day of slow gifting, which is gifts you can make. And I'm gonna start this by saying that I recognize that the time, I just said time is the ultimate luxury, the time to make things can be like non-existent and don't feel pressured to do this. Uh, Definitely be honest with yourself. Uh, Don't, I have been that person who's like, I'm gonna knit seven scarves this year between November 1st, (laughs) December 15th, and everyone's gonna get a scarf. And suddenly it's December 15th and I have one scarf and I have to run out and buy other stuff, right? Be realistic about what you can do. But I have to say, some of the best gifts I have ever received have been things that people made. Like one year, my friends made their own Kahlua like they, and I don't know how they did it. They like infused it or something and they put it in little bottles. And I, every time I drank that, I was like, I guess I'm a clue and coffee person now. Mm. Every time I drink it, I was like, I just can't believe they did this. That was so nice, you know? <laughs> uh, you know, and one year my stepmother made me a scarf and it was the first time anyone had ever made a gift for me in my life. And I cried and then it was like embarrassing, oh. I think for everyone, but... I still love that scarf, you know, and the time that went into it. But like, there are so many things that you can make. So we're going to, between the two of us, we probably have a thousand ideas as we do. We're the great minds here. Um, I'm sure that we're going to miss some, but food is like, obviously like the easiest one. Um, I just would, it's kind of also like the most old school Mm -hmm. gift, like jams and pickles and, you know, can other vegetables or things that you've made in jars are great. A cake. Um, real talk, fruitcake is delicious. Do you like fruitcake, Maggie? I do like it. Yeah. I could tell. <laughs> I could tell. You had fruitcake lover energy. Yeah. Um, I love fruitcake too. I have loved it since I was a little kid. <laughs> I felt very elegant liking it as like a seven-year-old. Um, fruitcake is delicious. And I will sometimes go buy a small one just for myself. No shame. I will eat it. A slice a day for like three weeks. That's awesome. Um, Because it's delicious. Uh, Food is like such a classic holiday gift. Pies, cookies, candies. Am I missing any? Oh, fruit baskets. My neighbor at my old house in Bird in Hand gave us a fruit basket that she made for Christmas, probably in a thrifted basket. And I was just like, oh, beyond, you know, just like so overjoyed at how thoughtful that was. Because fruit is luxurious. You know what I would love to receive that I've never received, but so you remember those like giant tins of like the tri-flavored popcorn? Oh, What if someone made popcorn with like different flavors? I I would love that. So I love popcorn. And I will tell you, I see a lot of those tins at the thrift store Mm -hmm. for the popcorn. So there you go. That's a great idea. Or some other snack mix. Like I'm, I have this like specialty which to be fair, I got the recipe from my very good friend, Sherry Rulin, but it is a Chex mix that has like wasabi peas and it uses, it uses more like Asian flavorings and it is so delicious. And I would always make it for everyone at work on snack day. And I have given that to people as gifts, like just make up a huge batch of it and everybody, it's like, you can't stop eating it. It's so good. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Food, classic, classic. Um, practical wearables that aren't clothes, hats, scarves, gloves. Now, this is one where I would really like you to level set your expectations. I also had a friend who was going to make socks for everyone and got one half of a pair of socks done. So (laughs) So, let's talk about slow, (laughs) slow gifting. Obviously, that's what this is about. 
you could, if you are interested in making these things, now is the time to start and get a head start on next year's gifts, right? Give yourself Seri- that runway. No, yeah, seriously, seriously. One year for Christmas, I knitted my mom knitting. Okay, so it takes a lot longer. I knitted her a whole ass blanket oh my God. out of upcycled yarn that I had just collected from free boxes, thrift stores, from my local creative reuse center. People donated it. I put an ad on Craigslist and went around and collected people's scrap yarn. And, you know, I tied it together like in color, a color story. It wasn't like super random. It took me five months. Oh my goodness. Okay. I watched so many movies, like so many movies, or I would take it to the bar to have happy hour with my friends and I would be that person there knitting a whole ass blanket. <laughs> um, but it was it was like half a year, you know, to get it done. And uh, I don't know if she was as impressed by it as I had hoped, but, you know, it, I'm still glad that I did it. Uh, be, give yourself the ultimate lead time for practical wearables. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, what else? Uh, you put a lot of great things on the list here. Maggie, do you want to share some of these? Because they're really nice. Yeah, so the, this first one I'll share, like affirmation cards or gift certificate cards. Um, this idea came from an idea, a gift that I actually created for my partner a few years ago, where I I had all kinds of like paper scraps and like scrap card stock, and I kind of cut it all down into a uniform size. And I think I used packing tape to laminate it, but I hand wrote, hand wrote and hand stamped. Um, So it was like a little collection, a little deck of cards. And on each one, it was like redeem for like good for one date night or good for one like meal at the restaurant of your choice or a back rub or you can totally make it like naughty and sexy which i did for a few of them there was also <laughs> like a um i don't know what i called it like a, a freebie or whatever it was like whatever you know like cash this in tell me what you want um and it there was an expiration date like it was good for you know till the next christmas um but you know it doesn't have to be stuff um it can be any kind of gesture, like affirmation cards, I can see using that same concept of like, you know, um, not cheesy motivational quotes, but like, tell them your feelings about them kind of thing, you know? Yeah, and yeah. They draw a card each day or one a week for the next several months and just something to make them, remind them that you're thinking about them, um, something that they can enjoy for longer than just the day of Christmas um yeah I love that poems and stories like you're you're talking about hand knitting a blanket that takes a lot of time and TLC and care like for someone who is a a creator a writer like a personal poem or a story like just for that individual as a gift that's a huge gesture um Mm -hmm. You know, fo- photos, mementos of any kind. Maybe it's like your favorite, the fa- your favorite photo of the two of you together. Um, you can totally get a secondhand frame, uh, you know, package that up nicely. Make a shadow box of like, maybe oh, there's like yes. your first concert that you went to together, like the ticket stub and like maybe a photo or um, bottle caps, like 
I know all these things are like silly things on their own, but when you put them together in a shadow box type of keepsake format can be pretty meaningful and sentimental. It doesn't take up a lot of space. Um, oh my gosh. Okay. So I know it's 2022, but most folks listening, hopefully remember mixtapes. There is a contemporary. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> yeah. No, just kidding. I have a mixtape tattoo, actually. That is awesome. <laughs> so there's there's a way to do that same concept today. Um, not that that old fashioned like using the radio and hitting record at just the right moment. But you can make personalized playlists. You can make them private, shareable only with that person. Um, maybe it's a collection of music that you both enjoy, that you know that they love, or music that makes you think of them. It could also be, and this is where you'll need a little lead time as well, maybe it's a crowdsource type of thing where a few few weeks ahead of time, you reach out to your mutual acquaintances, friends, and family, and say, just record a, an audio message. Like, Amanda, you, you're collecting audio essays, right? This would be mm-hmm. like a tiny mm-hmm. little micro essay, a little message, and you put that together in a playlist. There's no wrapping paper there's no waste it's like a link that you share with them but it contains all of this really um, personal thoughtful content just for them I love that yes I definitely like the first couple years that Dustin and I were together we were like really romantic about each other um before he'd seen me throw up and pee my pants simultaneously uh we definitely used to make each other uh playlists on Spotify all the time (laughs) it was really cute I'm like tearing up thinking about it um that doesn't mean that we have stopped loving each other it's just that we now since the pandemic spend all of our time together so we're always listening to the same music anyway Mm Um, but I do, I do, I think that, man, I do miss, I miss the the mixtape and the work I would put into them. I would sometimes, for some of my friends, I would like paint the tape with nail polish and put stickers all over it and then clear nail polish on top of that. Yes. Um, I would, I would really put work into this. I would like make elaborate liner notes to send to friends or, you know, people I had major romantic feelings for. Uh-huh. I mean, just, ah. Uh, but I uh, wish I still had them all because I, I loved the artistry of it all, right? Um, and those things like meant so much more to me than like any other gift that person could have given me. All right. Well, those are gifts you can make. I also, I'm just going to add here that I have a bunch of vintage uh, holiday craft books and I'm going to share scans of them on it. <sighs> Instagram just I mean they may not inspire you at all but at the very least they will delight you (laughs) visually yes visually yeah there's even one that's called a bazaar gifts by the way oh my gosh Um, my heart just skipped the beat (laughs) I know amazing so I will be sharing those scans because I just think they they make me just like really happy to look at um okay so We've talked a lot about gifts. The rest of this conversation, the rest of the days of slow gifting are really more about all of the other things that come around, like come along with gifting, these situations. So the seventh day of slow gifting is deleting the concept, the myth of free shipping from your brain. Uh, I blame Amazon for this for sure. And I don't blame that in arbitrary, like, oh, I hate Amazon way. But I blame them as a person who's worked in the retail industry. 
uh, before Amazon and now in the post or current Amazon era. And I will tell you, Amazon started adding free shipping and like really fast free shipping. And then we all had to follow. And the reality is that like retail kind of weaponizes free shipping as an incentive to get us to buy more. So I know, Maggie, you see this all the time. Spend $50, get free shipping. Mm -hmm. Spend $100, get free shipping, right? I don't, have you ever fallen for it? It's okay if you have, because I have. Um, I mean, of course, right? But I'll say someone who falls for it all the time is my partner. Um, Oh, no. Yeah, all the time. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think that's like 50% of the socks sold on the planet Earth in any given year are to reach a free shipping threshold. No, that's not a true fact, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was very close as a person who has definitely added some socks to my cart to get free shipping. We just Um, need one more item, right? Just one. We need one more item for free shipping. What we, yeah, oh. yeah. So, and I, I get the logic behind it, right? Because you're like, oh, the shipping is $8, right? For $8, I could get a pair of socks. I should get something for that $8 as if, I'm going to blow your mind, as if the mere act of you clicking a few buttons and an item showing up at your home a few days later is not something, is not a very valuable service. Like, you are getting something. You're getting convenience for that money, right? And, like, we need to stop thinking that, like, the only things with value are actual things, right? Shipping is a service. It's a service just like getting your hair cut or getting your nails done or having someone come and clean your house. These are things that are worth money, right? Um, I'll tell you that at all of my jobs that I have had in buying, we specifically engineered our free shipping threshold. I know you think like $50 or $100 or whatever the free shipping threshold is. It's just random. We engineered it to guarantee that people would be forced to buy an additional item to get it. Uh, So for example, at one of my jobs, our number one item was t-shirts and our t-shirts were $40. If we made the shipping free shipping threshold $40 for all the people who came and bought t-shirts, they would just buy a t-shirt and be done. But what we did is we made it $50 and it guaranteed that they bought something else every single time, whether it was a pair of socks, a pin, some stickers, whatever. We found that when we put that threshold in place, that suddenly every customer was buying at least two items. Um, it, it really works. It, I mean, you know, I've fallen for it myself in the past. I think after working in it for so long, I was like, oh my God, I cannot be a part of this anymore, you know? But I want to assure you that the, that free shipping is not a gift that a retailer is giving you. It's a way to trick you into buying more stuff. What's bad about this is it has forced makers, sellers, small businesses to jump on the free shipping bandwagon because now nobody wants to pay for shipping because like, why should they have to is how they look at it. And this whole thing just really trickles down to everyone who is trying to make a living selling stuff um, because we all expect this free shipping. And like I said, we see paying for shipping as a burden or a waste of money, but we have, we have to delete that from our brains. We have to get over it because Shipping stuff to us is actually really, really expensive. And like, I don't know about you, Maggie, but even if I when I have to go to the post office and ship some cookies to someone, I'm like, damn, 
damn, that was so expensive. And like, I had to box it up and I had to go wait in line and like drive there and all that stuff. Like it's a whole shipping thing. is, it's a whole thing, right? Imagine if that's like all you did all day, every day. That's, that is why I'm not an online seller because going to the post office gives me way too much anxiety. Insane. But yeah. like, let's think about what happens if you place an order, right? So before your that order even gets on the truck to head to you, the company has already spent some money. They paid someone to pick your order as in go find the things that you liked and pull them off from the shelves and racks where they were stored. Then they pay another worker often, sometimes it's the same person, but it's usually a second person, to pack all of that up so that it will not break, hopefully, and it will arrive safely. And, you know, put it in the box. They seal it all up, put the label on, all that stuff. Well, all of that packaging costs money. Uh, I had a job where we were buying hats um, and they needed a special big box. And then I was told I was not allowed to buy hats anymore because the box was $8. <laughs> so we stopped buying hats. Um, but, you know, boxes, tape, labels, packing slips, any free swag that someone's throwing in there, I'm pl- I'm all for the end of free swag. I don't need a sticker or anything else. I'm good with just what I ordered. Um, after all of that happens, you know, they probably pay another worker to palletize it all and hold it to get picked up by, you know, UPS, FedEx, USPS, whomever. The retailer then pays for shipping. And I think this is where people get confused, that they think that maybe Amazon or Target or anyone else you're shopping from is somehow getting shipping for free. And I am here to tell you that UPS, USPS, FedEx, DHL, they don't give you anything for free. They're charging you to to deliver that stuff. I can assure you. Big companies can negotiate better rates based on the volume of packages they're shipping, but it still costs a lot of money. And I have had to sit in many mind-numbing meetings where we tried to figure out how we could save money on shipping. It's really boring because the answer is like, there isn't an answer, you know? So shipping is really expensive for a reason because it's a complex set of logistics. Like first, the shipping carrier picks up your order and a whole bunch more from the warehouse. Then it goes to a sorting facility where it is sorted, loaded onto a truck, heads toward a sorting facility closer to the final destination. Depending on how far away that is, it might go to the airport and take a flight. Uh, It might go on a boat. It might just go in another truck. But no matter what, it's going to get loaded on another truck. And at the final sorting facility, it is located on a truck that will deliver it to your front porch. All of these trucks and airplanes, they require fuel, maintenance, insurance, drivers, pilots. I always wonder, I make this, it's a very dark joke. So you don't need to laugh at this, Maggie, but... Sometimes when we're driving by the airport, we see the Amazon Prime airplane there. And I'm always like, oh, do you think the pilots are in there peeing in bottles right now? (laughs) Which is not funny, I know. But I wondered, you know? You know, I'm in the Seattle area, right? So we've got a lot of, um, you know, ocean freight. And it's it's like, seriously, Legos, the giant shipping containers. Oh, it's crazy. And every time we drive by, I'm like, I mean, I know. I know that the bulk... I would say probably 80% of those containers are full of Amazon product. And it's Oh, I'm sure. Scary. I'm sure. Yeah, especially in Seattle. I can't see who else it would be. It has to be Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, all those people who are delivering, packing, even repairing the trucks and airplanes and everything, all of these people need to get paid. I mean, this is like shipping is expensive 
expensive for a reason. Like when you start to realize how much stuff has to happen to get stuff to us, you start to be surprised by how cheap it is in comparison, right? So like I said, like retailers are in a pickle when it comes to making the cost of free shipping work for them. Uh, Because like you might think, I guess this is a spoiler here. You might think you're getting shipping for free, but really we're all paying for it in the price of the things we buy. Uh, Often retailers will raise the prices of the things they're selling to cover that free shipping. I guess what I'm saying is that everyone pays for shipping no matter what. Even my friends who are makers tell me now that they just bake the cost of shipping into the retail price and then say it's free shipping. But the customers are still paying for the shipping, you know? Um, Another thing that retailers will do is they'll just start making the product cheaper, you know, cutting the corners. This is a story we know so much by now, right? Cheaper fabric, cheaper trims, less fittings, less details, squeezing the factories for lower costing, garment workers then, of course, like being paid even less. That's so that we can get this, quote, free shipping. And they'll also cut expenses elsewhere. They'll pay their workers less, their warehouse workers less, their retail workers less, their corporate workers less. They'll provide less benefits. They'll keep workers at less than full time to avoid offering benefits. That's all to cover the cost of shipping. And I actually... I've been working on a series on Instagram about how fast fashion affects the people around us. And I just recently did a post about warehouse workers. And let me talk tell you, really, really upsetting, even beyond Amazon. We know Amazon is like the jerk store, right? But most warehouse workers are actually temp workers, even if they've been working at this job for years. Um, they're kind of trapped in it. And the reason that they are considered temps and not like full, re- full-time full real employees uh, is because it's cheaper. They don't have to be paid benefits. They don't have to be guaranteed work. They don't need to get the same kind of safety training. And this sets people up for some really, really hard day-to-day lives. Have you ever had to do warehouse work, Maggie? I have not personally. But I did work uh-huh. in the construction industry, um, so there were a lot of imported from overseas products and finishes and things uh, where we would pay to have them, you know, uh, freighted over by ocean to our port here, and we had to store the stuff somewhere. So I've interacted a lot with warehouse workers. I've seen the environments. I've processed the invoices and negotiated contracts with those folks. And it's, yeah, it's, it's rough. Um, Safety is definitely a concern for sure. Safety and just like the physical toll on your body. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's brutal at work. And the idea of someone being underpaid while they're really using their bodies in that way to do their work is just gross. It makes me so upset. Um, And really that's one of just many really depressing side effects of free shipping. I mean, there's also that we buy way more stuff than we actually need, right? Like I have totally bought stuff to get to free shipping that was an afterthought. It's like, like there was a time where I had so many socks because I was buying so many socks to get to free shipping. And I'd be like, well, everyone needs socks, right? Um, We already discussed that the products are lower quality in order to cover the cost of shipping. 
Uh, we also return way more stuff because it's low risk on our end if we didn't have to pay for shipping. And then that increases the carbon and waste footprints of our shopping. Um, then we, you know, these this idea of like big companies being able to renegotiate shipping costs with the carriers really means that small businesses, makers, sellers, they pay a higher cost for shipping because these companies need to make up their operating expenses somewhere. And if they're giving a deal to these people who are shipping a ton, they have to charge everybody else more. The constant push to keep shipping cheap so that retailers aren't losing all this money on free shipping, it forces those shipping carriers to cut costs too. So their workers also aren't being paid as well. They're getting decreasing benefits. They're working in more bad situations. Um, And, you know, workers around the world feel the pinch of covering those shipping costs because, you know, our garment worker wages are pushed down because we got to cover that shipping. And when you know all of this stuff, it's just like pay for the shipping, you know, (laughs) just pay for it or go pick it up yourself. Right. Um, I get really upset about how platforms like Etsy and Poshmark incentivize and force makers and sellers to offer free shipping. Mm -hmm. That is one of those things that really pushes my buttons. And I'm just going to tell you all right now, in case you didn't know, that that is not because Etsy and Poshmark are giving those sellers free shipping. They're not giving them like a voucher or credit to ship stuff for free. No, they are asking the sellers to cover the cost of shipping. And so ultimately... When you ask a seller, a small business for free shipping, you are asking them for a discount, right? You're literally taking money out of their pockets. So we have to think about shipping differently. We have to budget for shipping expenses when planning our holiday shopping. We should not expect or demand free shipping from small businesses. Maggie, you're not going to be surprised to hear this, but my friends who have small businesses get antagonizing messages from people asking for free shipping or demanding it all the time. And literally people say, well, if Amazon can ship it for free, why can't you? Which is like, (laughs) I have definitely been guilty of asking a seller on a platform like Poshmark, for example, if they would consider reduced or free shipping. But this conversation Uh alone has sort of shifted my mindset entirely. Like now I know it's, not the platform that's covering that cost. It's it's definitely taking money out of that person's pocket. And I will not do that again. I think it's kind of like a dirty secret. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because I also assumed for quite a while that when Etsy was pushing free shipping and things like that, that they were in some way compensating the sellers mm-hmm. or that Poshmark was giving sellers discounted shipping. But no, it just comes out of their pockets. Um, I mean, it's like one of the 10,000 problems I have with these platforms that are really built off of someone else's work, right? Yep. Um, next, I would say, like, if you're if you're ordering a gift for someone that lives far away from you, just have a ship directly to them. Save everybody and yourself a lot of stress and, you know, reduce that carbon footprint. Um, don't add stuff to your cart just to get to that free shipping. I guarantee at this time of year, People add things to their cart to get free shipping that then become unrequested gifts to other people, right? Well, while I'm here, I might as well add some lotions to give to my friend at the office, you know? (laughs) 
don't do it. Resist, resist. And also, I would just say, like, please see the people, all the people who get those orders to your front porch. Recognize their hard work and don't be a jerk when an order is behind schedule or missing. Man, I have seen some of the ugliest human behavior of my life at the United States Post Office. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Just, right? Right? I mean, I have a whole list of people who I see time, not, they're not individuals, but like individual behaviors, let's say, Mm -hmm. that I see time and time again at every post office I've ever visited. And I'm like, I don't like that person. I don't like the person who comes in, they're like raw dogging their shipment, right? They just bring in a bunch of stuff and put it on the counter. And they're like, can you ship this? When I see those people in line ahead of me, I'm like, oh, I just leave. Because they're going to be up there for three hours, right? Or the people who are yelling at someone because it's not there. Uh, the tracking said it was, blah, 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 blah. Like, I just, I, be behave at the post office, please, everyone. No wonder the workers, the staff there are just like checked out and not nice. <laughs> and- yeah. You yeah, I have to put up with that crap all the time. I know, I know. I see so many people come in there who it's like the first time they've ever mailed something, and I am just so frustrated on the behalf of everyone there. We need a training uh, or, course <laughs> on how. Maybe okay, maybe our business where we uh, secondhand gift shop for people. We do also run seminars on how to use the post office. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um. Yeah, seriously. I'm no one who's listening here would ever just show up with a bunch of stuff and be like, "Can you guys pack and ship this for me?" And if you are, I think you can go to the UPS store and they'll charge you a fortune, but then you'll learn your lesson. Yeah, that's right. Um right. <laughs> Let's take a moment to thank some of the incredible small businesses who keep Close Horse going via their generous Patreon support. Selena Sanders, a social impact brand that specializes in upcycle clothing using only reclaimed vintage or thrifted materials from tea towels, linens, blankets, and quilts. Sustainably crafted in Los Angeles, each piece is designed to last in one's closet for generations to come. Maximum style, minimal carbon footprint. Shift clothing out of beautiful Astoria, Oregon, with a focus on natural fibers, simple hardworking designs, and putting fat people first. Discover more at shiftwheeler.com. Late to the party, creating one-of-a-kind statement clothing from vintage, salvaged, and thrifted textiles. They hope to tap into the dreamy memories we all hold. Floral curtains, a childhood dress, the wallpaper in your best friend's rec room all while creating modern, sustainable garments that you'll love wearing and have for years to come. Late to the Party is passionate about celebrating and preserving textiles, the memories they hold, and the stories they have yet to tell. Check them out on Instagram at Late to the Party People. Vino Vintage, based just outside of LA. We love the hunt of shopping secondhand because you never know what you might find. Catch us at flea markets around Southern California by following us on Instagram at vino.vintage so you don't miss our next event. Gabriella Antonis is a visual artist and an ethical trade fashion designer. But Gabriella is also a radical feminist micro-business. She's the one-woman band trying to help you understand why slow fashion is what the earth needs. The one-woman band to help you build your own brand. She can take your fashion line from just a concept and do your sketches, pattern making, grading, sourcing, cutting, and sewing. The second option is for those who aren't trying to start a business and who just want ethical garments. Gabriella Antonis will create custom made-to-measure garments just for you. Her goal is to help 
help one person of any size at a time, including beyond size 40. To inquire about this serendipitous intersectional offering of either concept, DM her on Instagram to book a consultation. Please follow her on Instagram and Twitter at Gabriella Antonis. And that's Gabriella with one L. Gotta get that spelling right. Dylan Page is an online clothing and lifestyle brand based out of St. Louis, Missouri. Our products are chosen with intention for the conscious community. Everything we carry is animal-friendly, ethically made, sustainably sourced, and cruelty-free. Dylan Page is for those who never stop questioning where something comes from. We know that personal experience dictates what's sustainable for you, and we are here to help guide and support you to make choices that fit your needs. Check us out at dylanpage.com and find us on Instagram at dylanpagelifeandstyle. Salt Hats, purveyors of truly sustainable hats, hand-blocked, sewn, and embellished in Detroit, Michigan. Find us on Instagram at Salt Hats. Gentle Vibes Vintage. We are purveyors of polyester and psychedelic relics. We encourage experimentation and play not only in your wardrobe, but in your home too. We have thousands of killer vintage pieces ready for their next adventure. See them all on Instagram at Gentle Vibes Vintage. Thumbprint is Detroit's only fair trade marketplace located in the historic Eastern Market. Our small business specializes in products handmade by empowered women in South Africa, making a living wage, creating things they love like hand-painted candles and ceramics. We also carry a curated assortment of sustainable and natural locally made goods. Thumbprint is a great gift destination for both the special people in your life and for yourself. Browse our online store at thumbprintdetroit.com and find us on Instagram at thumbprintdetroit. High Energy Vintage is a fun and funky vintage shop located in Somerville, Massachusetts, just a few minutes away from downtown Boston. They offer a highly curated selection of bright and colorful clothing and accessories from the 1940s to the 1990s for people of all genders. Husband and wife duo Wiley and Jessamy handpick each piece for quality and style with a focus on pieces that transcend trends and will find a home in your closet for many years to come. In addition to clothing, the shop also features a large selection of vintage vinyl and old school video games. Find them on Instagram at High Energy Vintage, online at HighEnergyVintage.com, and at markets in and around Boston. Vagabond Vintage DTLV is a vintage clothing, accessories, and decor reselling business based in downtown Las Vegas, Nevada. Not only do we sell in Las Vegas, but we're also located throughout resale markets in San Francisco, as well as at a curated boutique called Lux and Ivy located in Indianapolis, Indiana. Jessica, the founder and owner of Vagabond Vintage DTLV, recently opened the first IRL location located in the Arts District of downtown Las Vegas on August 5th. The shop has a strong emphasis on 60s and 70s garments, single-stitch tees, and dreamy loungewear. Follow them on Instagram at Vagabond Vintage DTLV and keep an eye out for their website coming fall of 2022. Okay, so the eighth day of slow gifting, we're coming down the home stretch here, is about Black Friday. I feel like Black Friday is this antiquated idea, and yet it just becomes 
a several month period now. We've got Black Friday. We have Cyber Monday. We have, you probably are not aware of this one. There's a day in December called Green Monday, which once you know when it is, you will be like, why did I get so many sale emails today? Oh, it's Green Monday. Um, There's just more and more like shopping holidays, deal days. I mean, we've got Prime Day, all of these things. You notice when Prime Day happens, all of a sudden everybody else is having a sale too. Yeah, that's not a coincidence. Um, All of these deals or holidays, if you will, rely on the addictive rush of tracking down a good deal. This leads to a lot of thoughtless impulse shopping. I'm just going to tell you, Maggie, I used to be a really big fan of free people, (laughs) like a really big fan of free people, free people, fangirl. Um, Many things have happened in the past few years that have made me now probably, I would say free people is my arch enemy, Um, or at least someone I don't like very much. And I used to get so excited for the day after Christmas when they would have 50% off sale. And I would like get up early. Okay, well, no, first, on Christmas Day, when I should have been like hanging out with my family, I would actually be putting things in my cart on the Free People website and then getting up early the next day to buy it. And everything I would get, I would like maybe one thing I would love and everything else was like so epically disappointing And it actually has felt really freeing to me to uh, have broken up with free people and so many other retailers like that, uh, because now I don't have to worry about waking up early the day after Christmas to ensure that I got all the hot deals in my cart, right? Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, that is how these deal, deal days work, is that they get us hooked on the rush of a deal. They get us kind of infected with FOMO. Like if you miss this sale, you might never get that thing again. And I would say there's always another sale. There were sales, they're like infinite now, right? They all run together. Um, And what happens on Black Friday and all of these other deal days is that people buy a lot of stuff that is ultimately disappointing, which leads to a lot of returns, uh, leads a lot of barely used stuff heading to landfills and donation bins. It just leads to a bunch of unloved stuff hanging around in our closets and storage areas. You know, there was a statistic that came out a few years ago that the average person had like, uh, this number I'm pulling out of thin air, but I'm pretty sure I'm close, had 10 clothing items in their closet that they had literally never worn even one time. Wow. I know. And I was like, I, I can see this, you know, and I know it all came from the sales section. Because if you paid full price, you would be like, I must, I must get every cent out of this, right? Yeah, exactly. And you might say, as I would after my humongous free people clearance order arrived and I didn't like any of it, you might say, well, at least I'm going to return it. And then someone else is going to wear it. Sadly, this is another thing that really cured me of this kind of behavior, is that about half of returned items are never purchased, worn, or used by another customer ever, another person ever, because they're sent to the landfill. Retailers just find it far less expensive to simply destroy these items, write them off, than perform the reverse logistics of getting them back on the selling shelves. So you can't just be like, I'm going to buy a bunch of shit and plan on returning half of it. I know this behavior way too well for myself and it's not a good thing. Furthermore, 
studies have shown that the less we pay for something, the less we love it or use it. So this just leads to more overconsumption and underutilization of the things that we buy. We gotta skip Black Friday. We have to, unless, and this is not to shame you, if you know, like, I really wanna give my dad a flat screen television for Christmas. I hope that saying flat screen television just didn't make me sound like an old lady, but I don't really know (laughs) much about, I don't really know much about electronics. So there you go. Uh, If you decided you wanted to buy your father a television for Christmas, And you saw that the one you like is going to be part of a big Black Friday sale. Of course, go do that, right? But don't like load up your cart the night before on random stuff just because like you need that thrill. Um, And I'll just say as a person who has been helping businesses, big businesses do all kinds of nefarious things over the years, one thing that we worked on a lot was Black Friday and we would make special product for Black Friday that was lower quality and cheaper to make, but therefore could be sold at 50% off and still be highly profitable. So these weren't even great things we were selling in the first place. Or what we would do is we would stockpile all of the worst things that we'd ever bought that no one bought. We would like take them off the website and kind of hide them away in the warehouse. And then on Black Friday, they would arrive again, 75% off as like new arrivals. I. Most of the stuff that you see being these big deals or being offered as these big deals are not really great deals. So I guess what I'm saying here is we all need to rethink Black Friday. We should not shame people for shopping on Black Friday because it's completely ineffective and it makes you look like a classist jerk. Um, This is just really a great opportunity to share the knowledge that you know about Black Friday and how these deals work. Um, And once again, like be strategic. Uh, I always say, I I like to think I'm really clever for coming up with this term. I'm probably not. It's okay. You don't have to laugh at this, Maggie. But I always say that you should avoid delirium. Yeah, delirium. (laughs) That's good. I crack myself up. It's a temporary state of wild excitement or ecstasy that you experience when encountering a big sale or a dazzling array of deals, deals, deals. And what happens is you do a bunch of impulse shopping, you do a bunch of returns, or you have those 10 garments in your closet that you've never worn. So I would say, ask yourself, will I really wear or use this regularly for a long time? If it's a gift for someone else, does the recipient want or need this? Or is it an impulse purchase? Will I buy this at full price or am I just excited about the discount? And am I shopping because I feel lonely, bored, or sad? Um, I would just walk away for a few hours or a day and see if you still want it because often you find out you you don't. And forget about it, yeah. You totally forget about it, right? Um, and there will always be another sale. Um these kinds of deals, these sales, these special shopping days, they really feed on our anxiety about missing out. They give us the sense of urgency. It's called a call to action in marketing terms. You don't need to worry about missing this sale. Like I said, there will always there will always be another one. I promise. That's like something that always happens, our sales. Um, I also just wanted to say back Back when I was like actually working in the retail store with customers, I always had to work on Black Friday, obviously. I would ask customers, they would come up to the counter with like 20, 30 things, right? And I would say, oh, are you getting a lot of Christmas shopping done today? No, I'm just shopping for myself, every single person. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, wow. I know, I know. I, I, my experience working retail is that most people don't actually start buying things for other people until like the 10th of December. Um, that's, that's my advice. I don't do that. Don't do that. Um, but that's, that's the real, real talk with Black Friday. Okay. <laughs> the ninth day of, uh, slow gifting might be the most important day, which is like give people what they want, right? Rather than what is convenient or available or got you to the free shipping thresholds. You and I have already talked about this, but can we just talk again about how our feelings about Secret Santa and White Elephant? Okay, first off, can we talk about White Elephant? This one bums me out. The original, and you can tell me if I'm wrong here. I think the original idea of White Elephant is you would bring a gift that you already had, something you already owned, and you would like re-gift it, right? And like sometimes it would be ridiculous things or weird things. And like that was the fun of it. And I don't mind that as much because maybe we're, it's like circular gifting here. But I've worked places where we had to have our team Christmas party and we get the white elephant going and you're buying something for it. But it's supposed to be something that is jokey that doesn't cost more than $20. So we're still buying new stuff. And in those experiences, everything is terrible. Everything is terrible. Yeah. No one wants it. (laughs) I did not realize that the original concept was like you use what you have, like bring, you know, something that you have already lying around that could be used as a like gag gift as a concept. There's like, I mean, there's there's no no lasting value or impact from that at all. It's like literally just waste. Like you get a quick laugh. Or, like, embarrass someone. <sighs> and as quick as that happens, like, that's it. You know, the, there's there's nothing left after that. It's just a waste. Um, I, I hate it so much. Yeah, yeah. I hate it. But I do, I guess I'm okay if you're bringing gifts that you already had that someone gave you before. Like, a re-gifting white elephant is sort of adorable. We did a white elephant with my family one year um, as, we, as an attempt to buy less gifts and it was actually super fun because everybody (laughs) i don't know this probably says a lot about my family uh everybody was really competitive about it about having the best (laughs) gift so that everybody would like fight over it at the end and it was very very fun (laughs) i'm trying to think of like the funniest or best white elephant i i worked at a wine bar for a little while we had a we had a pretty fun one um but i remember someone brought a framed photo of themselves, and it was just like <laughs> hilarious. Okay, I love that too. That yeah. is hilarious. I like am sad that I never <laughs> thought of this. You know, <laughs> I might have to steal that idea if I'm forced into a white elephant. But yeah, and like Secret Santa is one of those things too, where I, when I was in school, we would do it, and it would be kind of fun because you'd be leaving notes in someone's locker all month, like trying to, you know. And I don't know, writing them little poems and drawings and stuff. And that was like really fun and sweet. But like when you're just doing it with your coworkers, it's weird and unnecessary. And it's always like $10 or less. And then you're like, uh, okay, what can I get for $10 or less? It's heavily gendered as well. It's like. Always. Oh. Yeah. Um, I don't like it. Yeah. And I don't like it either. Um. Another example of why it's important to give people what they want is there's a psychological impact of gifting uh, 
something that someone didn't want or something you wanted or something that was thoughtless. Uh, it's the Marge and the bowling ball effect <laughs> uh, from The Simpsons. You know, when Homer gives Marge a bowling ball that says Homer for Christmas. I mean, this is like the most extreme version of it, obviously. But like, I'm going to be real with you. I have had romantic partners in the past who gave me gifts that they really wanted for themselves. Yeah. Um, and it was a bummer. It made me feel really bad. It made me feel bad for not liking the gift, but it also made me feel like unseen, mm-hmm. I guess. Just don't do that. Like literally ask people what they want. Just ask. It's not rude. There's a lot of assumptions. Like if you gift something to someone without kind of consulting them first, like, I don't know. The other thing, and this is just me talking personally here, like, I hate surprises. <laughs> I'm sure it comes from trauma. Oh, but my like, God. I'm like you about giving gifts, too. I get really excited, and I, like, I want to spill the beans, right? Totally. Like, I want them to open totally. it right away. I can't wait. Um, but on the other side of that, I just, like, um, I don't know. I've been caught off guard, especially in gifting scenarios. Like, I could tell a lot of stories but I will save that for another time but like there's the element of humiliation because you're like you open the thing and you have no time or space to like process your reaction it's just like right there in the moment and everyone is bearing witness to it and if it's not a gift that resonates with you or if it's something that someone got you that they really wanted for themselves it's just like an icky moment and that Uh. feeling lasts that achy feeling lasts for sure. Yeah, it definitely does. I mean, I told you a story. This is a really sad, like Dustin, it's like a legendary story in our house. And like, I don't want you all to think I had like some horrible Dickensian childhood, but it was like pretty, pretty weird. You know, my mom was married seven times. Um, and I know the pain of being a stepchild like really well. And my mom's third husband, uh, his mother was named Joanne. And Joanne said to me once, I was all of five. Just so you know, no matter how good you are or pretend to be, I will never love you like my real grandchildren. And I was like, wow, I'm like five. This is a really intense conversation to be having. And I was just like, okay, thanks for telling me. <laughs> I mean, what do you say? And on Christmas, we went over to her house and uh, her real granddaughter was there and she had like 1000 presents, including a Barbie dream house, which I still like lost for today. And I had one present and I opened it and it was a toy horse with a b- missing a leg, like a broken leg. Uh, and I rem- I had the trauma of like having to pretend that I liked it, but feeling really sad and, like, there was no way she didn't know when she wrapped that up that the legs horse's leg was broken off. It just, like, it is one of those feelings that lives with me even now and gives me, actually, a lot of anxiety every time I open a gift from someone. Like, every time. Uh, so, I, I guess I agree with you in that, like, maybe I don't like surprises either. I don't know. Yeah. I don't like surprise broken horses. Maybe I do. My- <laughs> No. My first, my first bra was a Christmas oh, gift. Oh no, kind of like, boo! It's weird anyway because it's like one of those things, just like socks, like you would need on a regular day. It's not like special. Like your boobs be, came in know. for Christmas, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but they, I'll never forget the 
uh, my aunt's stuffed. It was two bras, actually. Cheap, uncomfortable. Uh, but two. Quality. Wow. Yeah. They, she stuffed each one each one in the ends of a like a wrapping paper tube and I kept looking at that one gift under the tree it was like such a weird shape and like thinking like for weeks what the hell could it be is it like a baton or an umbrella like I just you know I needed to know and they made me save it to last because they knew how much I wanted to see I hate this story so much it's bad yeah and so I opened it and of course there's like the humiliation because it's my first bra but I, like the surprise and the family members male and female and everyone alike right just like seeing that moment so yeah I don't like surprises <laughs> at all oh uh, um, yeah yeah no bra I remember once oh uh, now we're going we're giving all these depressing sad gift stories but maybe it'll have an impact on someone Dustin did ask me are you gonna tell the sad horse story <laughs> It's like, no, Um, on my, your bra story triggered a memory for me that I think I have buried deep in my heart, which is like, I want to say it was like my 11th, 12th birthday. My mom gave me an electric razor to shave my legs, which I did not want to do, but she was always making fun of how hairy my legs were. And she had me open it in front of my grandparents, including my grandfather. And I was like, mortified, mortified. Don't do this to people. Don't. Exactly. This just reinforces, right? Like, give people what they want. Yes. Don't make assumptions. Yes. Don't embarrass them or negatively impact your relationship with them. Don't give someone a bra or an electric razor unless they've specifically asked for it. And even then, you know, maybe not. Maybe not. Unless they're like, this is the razor I want and this is why. Fine. But... I do think a bra is a very loaded gift anyway, uh, for a variety of reasons. Yes. Yes. So in addition to asking people what they want, I want you to use gift registries if they exist. I want you to request lists or links to wish lists or ask questions like, what's your favorite local restaurant, coffee shop, bakery? What's something that would make your life better? Like ask questions, get lists. If there's a registry, do it. I don't care what people say. People want gifts from their registry, okay? If it's like a wedding, a baby shower. Seriously, when I had a baby shower for my daughter and I was so poor, I needed, I, I had all the things on there I needed. I only got one gift from the list and I got 10,000 clothes that she never got to wear. So don't do that. Follow the registry if there's one there. It's not impersonal. It's actually super thoughtful. And on the other side of the coin, when people ask you what you want, tell them. Now, I hear from you, Maggie, that you have a really hard time telling people what you want. Well, it's it's really like, <laughs> I don't want anything. And I want people to respect that. Right. Like, just no gifts, please. You know? You know, this is one of those things with like, the more you have this conversation, the mm-hmm. easier it gets. Um, I had, we had this like work retreat thing back in May. And we had this really amazing speaker who was local come in and talk to us about basically like telling people what we wanted and what we needed. And it sounds like it should be something that's really intuitive, but I think so many of us really struggle with it. I know I do. And she gave this really great example that like resonated with me so hard, which she said, you know, last week was Mother's Day. She has like two or three kids. She's married. She said, 
every year on Mother's Day, I am incredibly disappointed because nobody does anything. And it's all, I ended up doing extra work for everyone. I end up cooking everyone breakfast and doing all their laundry and cleaning up after them. And if we're going to do anything in honor of Mother's Day, I have to pick out the activity and make the plan. So this year, I was very direct with my husband. I said, this is what I want. This is what I need you to do. I don't want to make any decisions. And I want you to make me feel special and loved. And she was like, it was the best Mother's Day ever. And I was like, tearing up as she talked about this because I have a similar relationship with Mother's Day where like people forget that I am a parent to someone and that in- even has included my my partner who you know is this is the step parent of my child uh just kind of forgetting that that's a an intense and loaded day for me and just acting like it's a normal Sunday um I hate Mother's Day uh not just because it's been a negative experience for me as a parent, but also because I'm estranged from my mother. And I, this year was just like, here's what I need. I need this day not to be sad. I need us to go do something fun. I need to feel special today. And I need to not be at home wallowing in my despair or doing housework or any of these other things. And it was like, okay, we're going to do that. And it was so much better to just be honest about what I needed. And so that is my advice Beyond even gifts, but just life as general, like in general, I think is I've been to many like work retreat things in my life, but that was like the most impactful thing that has happened to me in a really long time. Um, And I think it's the same way with gifts or no gifts or even if you don't want to spend the holidays with someone, just just be clear about what you need. You know, it's funny hearing you say that, like uh, I've said it to my clients and I've practiced it in my own life. Right. But it's like ask for <laughs> what you want be specific like that's that's gonna improve yes. the results tenfold right number one pet peeve of mine is when i say to someone what do you want to have for dinner and they're like oh i don't know anything mm. i know that's not true i know that <laughs> you're not gonna eat anything if i was like okay cool well, i'm just gonna get some hot dogs out and thaw them out and we'll eat them cold you would not be happy <laughs> with that right? Uh, You'd probably be like, wow, that was, Amanda, that was rude. Why did we eat cold hot dogs? You know, Um, I know that you probably aren't going to be stoked if I whip out some tuna helper. So just be straightforward with me, right? Um, I think that is a life lesson for all aspects of our lives, but especially in the gifting area. Um, And don't feel weird giving someone a list if they ask for it. This is something that I always struggle with. Just do it. You know, I if you don't get anything on your list, that's fine too. But uh, you might've made their lives a lot easier. Um, the last thing I want to talk about in terms of giving people what they want is rethinking how gifting works. If someone in your life wants something that is outside of your budget, rather than saying, okay, well, you want a Lamborghini, but I'm going to get you a Matchbox car because that's all I can afford. And you're never going to look at it or use it. Go in on that gift, which hopefully is not a Lamborghini, with your friends and family members. Like we did this a few years ago for my grandmother. She she had had the same record player since like the 60s. (laughs) It was one of those huge console ones. And it had been repaired so many times over the years. But it had finally just, it was just like, this is it. It's all worn out. And we really wanted to get her a new record player, but it was expensive. And so we all chipped $50 in on it. And then suddenly she had this whole new stereo set up and she was so oh, happy. That's awesome. You know, I know. That's such a great gift, right? And we just all chipped in on it. And I would just encourage that to do that. Like go in with people or just give a gift card towards the item. You know, you could also try to look for it secondhand if mm-hmm. you want. I also just want to say, 
do not hold back on just giving people cash because they say money can't buy happiness, but you know what? It can pay a phone bill or buy groceries or help with rent. And honestly, sometimes that relief is the best gift of all. We have to cancel that idea that giving cash is impersonal or unthoughtful because it's actually very, very welcomed. Also, I miss getting little envelopes of cash. My great-grandmother Myrtle would always give us $5. And I thought it was like a millionaire when I would get it. I mean, it, like <laughs> it's super useful, practical. They can ultimately mm-hmm. invest it in wh- whatever they need or want, right? Um, takes the assumption yeah. out of it. Takes like that weird like sentimentality and psychology and feelings. And it's like, here you go. You know, <laughs> do what you want with it. And my one piece of advice there is do not attach strings to it. Don't say, this money, don't spend it on anything practical. No, like if someone wants to pay their phone bill with it, let them. It's going to make them feel better, you know? You asked me about gift cards when we were preparing (laughs) for this episode. And I was like, holy shit, gift cards are such a scam. Let me tell you why. And you were like, oh my God, right? That was an imitation yeah. of your voice that was not on at all, right? Um. Anyway, so I was like, okay, yeah, I'm going to get some data on this. And so I do want to talk about gift cards, which I think I have a lot of problems with gift cards. One is that they're a piece of plastic that's going to go mm-hmm. to the landfill. Um. I think that if it's a get, like a digital gift card to a really specific place that someone you love loves, then fine. But otherwise, I really go for like giving someone cash unless it's like a gift certificate to a local business, which often are not on these plastic right. gift cards. But when we talk about like a big ass, big, big gift card, trademark pending. <laughs> TM, yeah. Uh, TM. Uh, they come in two categories. There's the general purpose gift cards which are like the Visa, the Amex, the MasterCard. I've totally received these as gift as the, mm-hmm. in the past. And then there are store gift cards, you know, like they're very specific, Target, Walmart, McDonald's, Urban Outfitters, what have you, right? So here's here's the deal with them. The general purpose gift cards, those ones that are, look like credit cards and behave like credit cards, uh, have a lot of fees associated with them. You know, first, there is the fee when the person buys it that is like the activation fee. And they can be up to like $10, But then here's the problem. The recipient ends up paying fees too because they have to pay monthly inactivity fees. And it might be only two, three, four dollars, but for every month that you have a balance on that card and you don't use it, the company takes that money off of it. That's a freaking racket. And so if someone (laughs) Right. And so if someone gave you a card and you lost it and a year later, let's say it was a fifty dollar gift card. You go to use it and there's like two bucks on it. That is why, Mm. my friend. Um, So I think they're kind of dodgy unless you think the person's going to go use it right away. But then once again, like, why are you giving them this piece of plastic? You know? Why not cash? Um, Right. The store gift cards. I have a lot of experience in those from working retail. And for a lot of the big retailers, they're not going to charge you inactivity fees, but... They are going to do everything they can to not give you a cent back on that. And I just want to call out that most places, if the balance left on the card is under $10, you should ask them for cash. Like after you've used it. I think that their idea there is that you go in, you buy something. Let's say someone gave you that $50 gift card and you go in and spend, you know, 40 bucks and there's $10 left on it. The hope on the part of the retailer, I mean, all of this has been thought through so many times, let me tell you. All the things, all the tricks 
have been so, these people are so smart and sneaky. The thought there is that you will come back with that $10 left on your card and just spend $50 again and get the $10 towards it. So they're going to get an extra sale out of you, basically. So once again, like, I think if if someone was like going to give me like a gift, a gift certificate to New Works, because I love that brand or like a restaurant or like my creative reuse or something, I would I would love it. And I would go spend the whole thing and gladly throw more money in on it. But for these other things, like I would just think about it. I think one of the most anonymous gifts that people give are Starbucks gift cards. (laughs) And right. Right. I mean, I've, I've received so many of them in my life and. What I hate about the Starbucks gift cards is they also force you into a reload situation all the time. Um, Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's like endless gift card, right? I will say I do have one really nice gift card story is that one time Dustin was at the Goodwill and he bought a CD or no, he opened the CD. I don't think he bought it. And there was a an Olive Garden gift card inside it. (laughs) So he took it out kind of as a joke um, and didn't buy the CD. But when he went home and checked it, it had like 50 bucks on it. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> he had he had lunch at Olive Garden twice <laughs> without me, um, but that's okay. <laughs> I have a very recent, uh, very positive gift card story as well. Um, when I was on my fall break just a week ago, a week or two ago, we spent a couple of nights in Portland and we ended up going to one of the rogue distillery locations. It was on our, our list of sites to check out. And okay. So we sit down and we're planning on having, you know, some snacks, some drinks. What we did not plan was that there was drag bingo happening. Ooh. So it was like surprise drag bingo. And three of the four of us sitting at our table ended up winning a round. So that meant I think there were two gift cards, two or three gift cards altogether. It was like 15 bucks a piece. And they let them, they let us apply it to our tab that very night, which was like, amazing we like <laughs> redeemed them and like our bill was a third of what we were expecting what? Which was just i love awesome. that oh that's like yeah. what a great vacation hell yeah <laughs> um yeah so that's 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 my two cents on gift cards i just think like unless it's really specific like to a restaurant or something like that i think you should just give someone cash you know yeah, like, save the plastic, save, save the, the plastic, save the scamminess, you know, the big banks, all that stuff. Just keep take keep them out of it. If you're enjoying this episode, then this is a great time to remind you that my work here at Close Horse is made possible by the support of listeners like you, just like NPR, and these great small businesses. Please go give them your support. Blank Cass or Blanket Coats by Cass, is focused on restoring, renewing, and reviving the history held within vintage and heirloom textiles. By embodying the love, craft, and energy that is original to each vintage textile as I transfer it into a new garment, I hope we can reteach ourselves to care for and mend what we have and make it last. Blank Cass lives on Instagram at blank underscore Cass, and a website will be launched soon at blankcass.com. Located in Whistler, Canada, 
Velvet Underground is a velvet jungle full of vintage and secondhand clothing, plants, a vegan cafe, and lots of rad products from other small sustainable businesses. Our mission is to create a brand and community dedicated to promoting self-expression, as well as educating and inspiring a more sustainable and conscious lifestyle, both for the people and the planet. Find us on Instagram at shop underscore velvet underground or online at www.shopvelvetunderground.com. St. Evans is a New York City based vintage shop that is dedicated to bringing you those special pieces you'll reach for again and again. More than just a store, St. Evans is dedicated to sharing the stories and history behind the garments. 10% of all sales are donated to a different charitable organization each month. New vintage is released every Thursday at wearstevens.com with previews of new pieces and more brought to you on Instagram at wear underscore st. Dot evens. That's where St. Evans. Country Feedback is a mom and pop record shop in Tarboro, North Carolina. They specialize in used rock, country, and soul and offer affordable vintage clothing and housewares. Do you have used records you want to sell? Country Feedback wants to buy them. Find us on Instagram at Country Feedback Vintage and Vinyl or head down east and visit our brick and mortar. All are welcome at this inclusive and family-friendly record shop in the country. Republica Unicornia Yarns. Handmade yarn and notions for the color obsessed. Made with love and some swearing in fabulous Atlanta, Georgia by head yarn wench Kathleen. Get ready for rainbows with a side of giving a damn. Republica Unicornia is all about making your own magic using small batch, responsibly sourced, hand-dyed yarns, and thoughtfully made notions. Slow fashion all the way down and discover the joy of creating your very own beautiful hand-knit, crocheted, or woven pieces. Find us on Instagram at republica underscore unicornia underscore yarns and at www.republicaunicornia.com. Picnic Wear, a slow fashion brand ethically made by hand from vintage and dead stock materials, most notably vintage towels. Founder Danny has worked in the industry as a fashion designer for over 10 years, but started Picnic Wear in response to her dissatisfaction with the industry's shortcomings. Picnic Wear recently moved to rural North Carolina, where all their sewing and accessories are now designed and cut, but the majority of their sewing is done by skilled garment workers in New York City. Their customers take comfort in knowing that all their sewists are paid well above New York City minimum wage. Picnic Wear offers minimal waste and maximum authenticity. Future vintage over future garbage. Cute Little Ruin is an online shop dedicated to providing quality vintage and secondhand clothing, vinyl, and home items in a wide range of styles and price points. If it's ethical and legal, we try to find a home for it. Vintage style with progressive values. Find us on Instagram at Cute Little Ruin. The Pewter Thimble is a curated secondhand shop based out of Rome, Italy. Owner Desiree Marie Townley has a background in costuming and makeup for dance and opera and focuses on dressing for the character you want to be in the world. Curated collections are dropped in a story sale and always have a specialized theme like the color palette of Starry Night, the film classic Casablanca, and the children's novel The Secret Garden. Desiree works with local artisans, and pieces are rescued from markets and rehabilitated and resold with worldwide shipping. The Pewter Thimble is a collection of pieces that will have eternal style 
from the Eternal City. Discover more on Instagram at the Pewter Thimble. All right. Well, that is give people what they want. We're coming down the home stretch here. I wanted to talk about packaging, specifically wrapping paper. Uh, in the U.S., 5 million tons of waste are generated over Christmas. And 4 million tons of that, 4 million tons, is wrapping paper and shopping bags. Like that, I feel like wrapping paper weighs like air. It's like a feather. So think about how much wrapping paper you have to use to get to 4 million tons. Well, I'll tell you, 50,000 trees are cut down each year to make wrapping paper. And believe it or not, most wrapping paper is not recyclable because it's coated with plastic, glitter, foil, etc. None of these things are recyclable or biodegradable. If you're wondering if your wrapping paper is recycling recyclable, you can do the scrunch test, which means crinkling the paper up into a ball. And if it stays that way when you let go, it can go in the recycling bin. It's actually just paper. But if it tries to go back to its original shape, it probably contains plastic and therefore has to go to the landfill. Also, you cannot compost wrapping paper unless it is labeled for backyard composting. So basically what I'm saying is, Maybe you should skip the wrapping paper. Now, I bet, Maggie, because you love fruitcake and we are kindred spirits, you have absolutely used a brown paper shopping bag as wrapping paper and drawn oh, on it. Oh, yeah. Right? S- stickers or markers. Totally. or Yeah, like, I mean, little cutesy phrases, poems. Oh, yeah. So yeah. fun, right? Right? Um, so that's one thing you can do. I just avoid, you want to avoid acrylic, acrylic paints, crayons, or excessive glue and glitter because those render the paper non-recyclable. But stickers are generally probably going to be fine. Drawings, limericks. <laughs> People don't write enough limericks I know. these days. Or sea, sea shanties. <laughs> we need to bring those back. Yeah, we need, we need to bring that stuff back. Okay, so you can also use newspapers or magazine pages. Uh, when I was a kid, I really loved to use the comics section to wrap gifts for people. I don't need, is that even in the newspaper anymore? I have no idea. Um, but you could use those. Magazine pages are always great too. You can kind of almost collage them mm-hmm. together. I cannot emphasize enough how much wrapping paper and gift bags and all the other trimmings are at every thrift store right now. Like, I think it's because people buy a shit ton of wrapping paper and then they don't use it all and they keep holding on to it, but then they keep buying more every year. And then before you know it, they have a whole bin of wrapping paper and they're going to move and they donate it all. I'm assuming that's what happens. But if you really have it in your heart that you want to use wrapping paper or gift bags, you can find them all. Two years ago, I needed gift bags for some specific gifts that I was giving to like my neighbors. And I was amazed by the plethora of clearly not even ever used gift bags that I found at one thrift store. It wasn't like I had to drive around and look for it. Like there are so many. Um, I also just wanted to call out that scotch tape and box tape are not recyclable. Uh, Washi tape is. So you might want to try washi tape or string or ribbon rather than scotch tape and box tape. Also, scotch tape... I always lose the end on it. I spend like four hours trying to get it back on the reel. What <laughs> and is it that? gives me a lot of anxiety. Oh, Why is it like that? Why is it made that way? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Do you have any other inspiring, exciting alternate wrapping ideas? 
I mean, I mean, mentioned fabric earlier. Um, mm-hmm. I can't think of anything like this is a really comprehensive list. <laughs> I mean, you could definitely like wrap, use something that's already part of the gift, like a tea towel, an apron, a scarf, a bandana, a vintage mm-hmm. handkerchief, cute fabric that that person can use on another project. Uh, someone suggested to me once making beeswax wraps and then wrapping for that, and then people can use them for leftovers. That seems really extra, but if you do it, I, I you're amazing. <laughs> um, and we will tell you again that the thrift stores are so full of baskets and tins, like yes. so many. There's, I actually love making a gift basket for people, and I love that there are so many baskets to be had. I love when someone uses a gift bag. And does not, like, write directly on the original label. Like, maybe they put a Mm -hmm. sticker or a bow on top so that you can then reuse the bag again. Like, that's a piece of advice. Like, if you source it secondhand, even better. But, like, gift bags, don't, like, tape them too much or, like, you know, preserve them as much as you can so that the person can reuse them again. Oh, yeah. I'm totally that person at like holiday events that collects all the gift bags. That's so smart. Like (laughs) otherwise they're going to go in the trash, right? Totally. Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So I highly recommend that. Like if you are doing a gift exchange at work or, you know, with your family, whatever, I always like to tell people to like bring a tote bag with them to take their gifts home in. And then we like take those gift bags and reuse them next year. You know, otherwise people are going to carry things home in the gift bag and then they're going to throw it in the trash. Right. So I think you can build your own gift bag library that way if you'd like. Um, I also want to call it that a lot of creative reuse stores have so much stuff to make your packages like the most beautiful thing ever without buying anything new. Um, Also, if you're going to order a lot of your gifts online, which let's be real, it is 2022, you probably are. Uh, you could use those mailers and boxes. You don't need to take it out and then put it in a new package. And if you are like, wow, the package is really ugly, like you could draw all over it or add stickers or what have you. I also just think it's really important for us to destigmatize the idea of reusing packaging by just explaining to our friends and family why we do it. And that might inspire them to start doing it too. Like we don't need a new box or bag for every single thing in our lives. Also, if you are a crafter, which you probably are, repurposing and reusing packaging is a pretty fun creative challenge. I love I love yeah, a challenge. Same. So, right, right. Okay, we are almost done. And I am going to combine the last two days of, of uh, slow gifting together. And that is shop your values and you are an influencer. And I just want to say to everybody – that we have a massive impact on the people around us when it comes to style, shopping, and consumption. We're all influencers to the people in our sphere. And our actions can really inspire others to make changes and do good things. And I think slow gifting uh, is a great way to start these conversations around our impact of shopping and consumption on the world around us, of the importance of choosing things that are going to be used and loved for a long time, Uh, our feelings about workers' rights, our feelings about packaging waste, all of these things. I think these are great parts of conversations to have with other people. Um, These are great things for you to show and share on social media. 
I think about all of the trends that have come and gone during the pandemic. Remember when everybody was baking bread? Do you remember that? I don't know if anybody's baked bread. I mean, I know that's like a, feels like a relic, right? But that was like two years ago. Everybody was baking bread. That's, that blew up as a thing people were doing because they were seeing other people doing it on social media, right? None of, I'm sure there were some famous people baking bread, but most of the people baking bread were people like us who just, you know, were bored, wanted to try something new. And then probably someone saw us baking bread and they decided to as well. Uh, there were all those, I hated these, by the way, I'm just going to say it, all those Zoom happy hours. I like them. <laughs> you like them? I mean, I think now I would like them. But in the beginning of the pandemic, when I was on furlough, but not laid oh. off, I still had to go to these Zoom happy hours with my team at work. And I fucking oh, yeah, hated not with it. with coworkers. But I, uh, and I felt like I had to go so that they would bring me back, which they oh. didn't. And then I had to waste all that time that I should have been paid for. But it is true. It's sometimes it's still nice to Zoom with your friends and have a good time, right? But that's another thing where like some people started doing it and then other people started doing it and then everybody was doing it. And that's how you can be about reusing packaging or giving secondhand gifts or telling people what they want or doing no gifts at all. Another trend that was like, I did not participate in this, which was surprising to me because the early six months, first six months of the pandemic, I felt like my soul had been just crushed by the world but people started wearing blankets as clothing do you remember that Saw it, did not participate <laughs> directly but yes i definitely remember that yeah i mean these are all these i'm trying to think of other trends of the pandemic like what else did people i mean it's still the pandemic but like the early days when we were all like oh i know everybody got into gardening right and there was like a shortage of seeds right so everybody was talking about gardening and then that got everybody else into gardening Hopefully they're still doing it um, because that's a great skill to learn. But once again, that happened because people saw other people in their lives doing these things. It's like we were all sharing best practices for coping, Mm -hmm. right? Here's our our chance to share best practices around gifts um, and create new traditions. Like Zoom happy hours are kind of a new tradition, right? Uh, People, I hope people still bake bread. I don't know. I haven't seen a bread on Instagram in quite a while. But that's because taking baking bread takes a really long time. It is, yeah, and skill and <laughs> yes, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and tolerance for gluten. <laughs> um, but what I'm saying is that, like, we as ordinary people, whatever you want to call us, I mean, we are all special, right? But we help others discover and create new changes in their lives and try new things and build new traditions and expose them to new ideas. And so I think sharing what we're doing with our gifts this year or no gifts or whatever it is very publicly with the people in our lives is how we get them to start thinking about these things too. Um, Do you have any other thoughts on that? Like, what are you going to tell people this season on social media about gifts? I mean, I, I want to make it known. I don't think I've ever like publicly posted about like my feelings about gifts and gifting for my business each year. I generally do some kind of twist on a gift guide, which is really like to de-emphasize shopping and consumption and more to celebrate small business and creativity and community. Um, I'm kind of embarrassed to tell you that we're in the second week of November, and I haven't made my formal plan yet, but uh, it's coming, and it will come together. So I can't answer that right now. 
but there will be something. No, I think that's okay. I definitely started doing the 12 days of slow gifting last year because I realized that I had been thinking about this stuff for a long time and definitely sharing it in real life with people. But maybe others would be inspired by seeing it on social media. And it was so many people reached out to me last year and were like, wow, you really helped me figure some stuff out. And we're only on Instagram right now as the date of this recording on day four, I want to say. And so many people, it has like resonated with them. And so I, I love that because I normally, this time of year, my anxiety is so high. My mental health is all over the place. I actually feel good. Nice. You know? <laughs> I know. I, it's like I'm like taking the holiday back, you know? Um, and I think it's because like I'm out there having these conversations with people and I feel as if I'm making real impact. And I think that that is something that makes all of us like feel good and is what we need. Thank you for what you're doing. The posts have been amazing. <laughs> Thank and you. And I'm looking forward to seeing the, the rest Thank of the you. series and like how how people interact with it and use it to kind of change their I own know. I know. plans. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, Maggie, this is all I've had. This has been quite a journey. We've been recording for three hours now. <laughs> um, I am very grateful that you came back to do this and I can't wait for the next thing we work on together. Um, I'm already like going through all kinds of ideas for the new year. <laughs> Do you have any final thoughts or parting words for everyone? I I actually have been thinking about this since we've have, been having this conversation. It's really about like setting those personal boundaries and mm-hmm. around gifting or like your your preferences for celebrating tradition, whatever that is. Like we're adults and we have the power to choose and I know that things can get awkward and sensitive with family but when it comes to drawing boundaries and this this isn't in contradiction to what you shared it's just a little bit of a different perspective we don't owe anyone a reason or an explanation yeah it's like we are who we are this is this is what we want or we don't want right this is what's going to make um make things more comfortable for us and the people around us. Like this being honest, transparent, it's radical authenticity, right? Is, is kind of at the core of the statement, but it's like, you don't owe anyone anything. Christmas holidays, you don't owe people gifts. You have the power to choose and just like sit with that, feel confidence and feel power in that. Um, and I think it will make a big difference on how you feel about this time of year. I love that. I mean, this this kind of goes back to every conversation you and I have ever had where so many of the things that cause us pain or make us waste our money or give us a lot of stress really come back to us not feeling empowered to be real about who we are and what yeah. is important to us. And this is a great example of it. And I... I know that feeling of feeling like you can't tell your family that you don't want to do gifts or that you don't want something from Amazon or what have you. It it sucks. But I'm going to tell you, the people who love you are still going to love you after you tell them. That's right. That's right. All right. Well, thank you so much, Maggie. What a delight. Thank you, Amanda. Until next time.
Thanks again to Maggie for spending so much time with me. I mean, many hours. I'm so grateful that Instagram brought us together. I think by now you all know I'm super sensitive and super sentimental, but every guest I have had on the show has made an impact on me, and I think about them regularly. Maggie is probably a super extreme version of that because I feel like we have 100 inside jokes that I laugh about when I'm out in the world alone. And I definitely think of her every time I see something raggedy and related, you know, thanks to her Halloween costume story. And you're probably like, oh, Amanda, how often could you be seeing raggedy and stuff? Well, let me tell you, as an out, an antique mall aficionado, <laughs> this happens a lot, really trending in the antique mall scene. Maggie is such a treasure of a human being, and we are already working on some ideas for a new episode for February, so I promise she'll be back. You can find Maggie on Instagram as at GreenStyleMags, and check out all the things she does at MaggieGreenStyle.com. And of course, as always, all of this will be linked in the show notes. All right, well, I am recording this. This is so ill-advised. This is so classically Amanda's going to get everything done no matter what. I'm recording this while I should be packing to leave for San Francisco in a few hours. So I have to keep this ending short and really wrap things up. And I really need to start putting things in my suitcase that are not just Hutch, who is currently the only thing in my suitcase. I hope that you are already starting to get a lot of ideas about how you can incorporate slow gifting into your life, not just for the next few weeks, but also year-round. We give gifts all the time. I love giving gifts. I'm not expecting you to stop giving gifts. And it's not something that I ever want to quit doing. But I do love doing it in a different, more thoughtful, more meaningful way. And I will tell you, it is so much more fun It makes my heart feel so much bigger. Slow gifting is the best. Please follow along with the entire slow gifting journey series, what have you, um, on Instagram. I'm doing tons of other content um, for the next few weeks, and I'm saving it all on my like saved posts or whatever that is. Guide. I think it's guide. It's one of the tabs on my profile. So please go check all of that out. And I look forward to seeing and hearing what all of you are doing this year as part of the slow gifting revolution. All right, time to go pack, get dressed. Yes, I'm also in my pajamas right now. I have a lot ahead of me for the next hour. (laughs) All right, thanks for listening to another episode of Clothes Horse. Written, researched, edited, hosted, all the things by me, Amanda Lee McCarty. If you like what you've heard on this episode or other episodes, or you just like me as in general, which is nice to hear too, uh, please leave a rating and maybe even a review on Apple Podcasts. It really does have impact and it's a great way for you to show your support. If you're interested in supporting my work financially, you can learn more at patreon.com slash podcast. But one of the most biggest, that's bad grammar. How about we just say the biggest, best way you can show your support for Close Horse is by recommending it to other people in your life. Because if we want all of the things we talk about here to become bigger, more normalized, really start some societal change here, we need to get more people exposed to these ideas and information. So send them my way. Thanks, as always, to my other half, Dustin Travis White, for our music and audio support. And I will see you all next week. Bye.